All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I'm back. Welcome back. Thanks. I like how you got the first word in. I was going to be like, welcome yeah, back, yeah. and you're going to be like, hey, I'm back. Yeah. But no, no. You were doing a little countdown, and I was like, no. <laughs> she just exploded just out of the Just to cage. make it even more yeah. clear that I'm back, I'm going to say it myself. Um, did you have a nice holiday? I had a lovely holiday, but I'll tell you what was exciting to come home to. What was exciting to come home to? The news that India won the space race. Superb segue. <laughs> Yeah, so we talked about this uh, earlier on in the month on Newsable. Um, India and Russia in the space race of 2023 trying to get to the South Pole of the Moon. The Russian spacecraft, let's not talk about that. Uh, It did not manage to land, but India has managed to do it. And I love it because India took the less indirect route, right? Like they took off, circled the moon a couple of times, just, uh, you know, took the scenic route, whereas Russia reportedly take a more direct route Mm-mm. and Did not slow and out. steady wins the race. India is the first country to touch down near the little explored South Pole region of the moon, and it is now the fourth country to make a moon landing. So, hey, well done, India, if you're listening. Nation of India, well done. Mm, kia ora. On that note... Should we get to it? <laughs> Go on. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Do you want to say it? Up the was. Will we see the Warriors take the win tonight when they take on the Dragons at Mount Smart Stadium? Well, we've got their big boss CEO Cameron George on for a chat about this season's secret selves. Also, new research estimates there's a one in a billion chance of mad cow disease getting spread through blood donations. And experts say it's time to relax our donor policies. Evgeny Prigozhin, the chief of Russian mercenary group Wagner, is presumed dead after a plane crash. So what happened? And finally, Emo is back and raring to go after going behind in Fun Fact Friday. (laughs) We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. The 1NZ Warriors' dynamite season will hopefully continue along the same lines tonight when they take on the Dragons at Mount Smart. With two rounds left in the NRL regular season, the boys are sitting at third on the table, meaning they're in a great spot to book their first home playoff games since 2008. Cameron George is the Warriors' chief executive and he's with us now. Up the wires, Cameron, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. <laughs> very good. Uh, first, very simple question. How are you feeling about tonight's game? Yeah, very excited, uh, anxious, uh, really pumped up in a positive mindset for our fans. It's a full house, uh, 25,000 plus people here. So the atmosphere is electric and just want the guys to really perform well. To, um, to, you know, to excite everyone heading into the last game next week. Oh, it's going to be such a goodie. That atmosphere certainly will be electric. And, of course, the team's done way better than any of us had hoped. Uh, but you get insights into this team that the fans don't. Did you get a sense at the season's outset that this was a special group of guys? Yeah, look, it's it's really interesting because, you know, our whole strategy you look at our new signings was to find players that had a real competitive edge and a win-at-all-cost attitude and, you know, were good people and really committed to coming to our clubs. And we found those over the last 
12 months as we're signing. We just felt that, you know, we had a good mix of people do some pretty good things and it's easier said than done, but they've gone out and performed the way in which we hoped and, um, you know, we're not finished yet, not the finished product, but we're certainly happy where we're at. You just mentioned you've got a great group of guys because, of course, there's all the stuff we see on the field, uh, the great skill, the physicality, but there's also, like you say, those personalities and those traits. How big a part have those intangibles played in this season? Yeah, very big. Um, We had a really unique opportunity this year to reset our footy club after a torrid few years of being ripped away from our home and disconnected and the like. So we took that very seriously and planned it to exactly how we wanted to do that reset of the footy club. And through that process, we found good leaders become great leaders. We had, you know, shy people became positive people. We had a real good growth period of everyone within the club. And of course, the fans this season are just having the time of their lives. It seems like you cannot escape the catch cry up the wires, no matter where you go. How big a factor has that fan support been? Yeah, awesome. Um, (laughs) We just have an amazing, an amazing fan base, not only in New Zealand, but globally. But what I've loved, you know, from where I sit within the club is the fact that we have achieved what we set out to achieve and that was reconnecting with our fans in every way possible and there'd be a really good game day experience and our staff have worked so hard to do so and in doing so, they have excited a fan base like never before and they've inspired a nation, which has been awesome to see, you know, uh, everyone's on the bandwagon and we're privileged to have that. Now, over these last few days, we've had some murmurings that these final matches might have to be played at Eden Park for capacity reasons. It would be such a shame to move the matches from Mount Smart, wouldn't it? Do we have any news on on whether or not that's going to have to happen? No, no news. We just want to get through this tonight's game and just see where we sit heading into the last round on the ladder and then really have those deep and meaningful discussions with the NRL. This is our home, uh, Go Media Stadium. It's We've earned the right to be here and you do that by you know, finishing as high up on the ladder as you possibly can. So we want to have those discussions and understand where the NRL are coming from before any decisions made. But ultimately, the NRL owned that final series, and you know we'll go ultimately go anywhere to to play. Uh, that's that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. But it won't be without us making a very clear statement that we want to be playing here at Go Media Stadium. <laughs> Cameron George, what an exciting game it's going to be. Thank you for your time and can I get you to say it? Up the wires. <laughs> Up the wires, Cameron George. Thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye. Now, remember, Fun Fact Friday is all about you. We want you to pick your favourite out of our two facts that we have scoured the earth for in a bid to impress you all. So make sure you're following us on Instagram. Check out our stories. Get your vote in. Just search Newsable NZ. Emil, do you donate blood? Are you a good person? I have been in the past, uh, particularly when I was at high school. Um, but I haven't in a long time, more out of laziness than any aversion to uh, needles or anything like that. But um, now mm. that you mention it, probably something I should get back into. Yeah, I've never done it. It's probably something I should look into. But of course, there are so many people who do give the life-saving red stuff. But there's also a whole bunch of people who aren't allowed to because they were in the UK in the 80s and 90s a.k.a. the time of peak mad cow disease. However, new research out this morning says the chances of catching mad cow disease through blood donations are beyond extremely low 
and that the rules should really be changed. And we're joined now by one of the researchers, infectious diseases expert, Massey University professor, David Heyman. David, kia ora. Kia ora. Tell us, how low is this low chance to catch mad cow disease via blood donations? Yeah, so we estimated it to be about one in a billion. You can't get much lower than that. What? Yeah, that's right. And that's, that is, that's technically it's not even possible in New Zealand, really. We've got such a small population. Well, that's right. I mean, this this was our estimate for New Zealand. It's about one in a billion, which means that we think it's not probable. I mean, it's really, really unlikely. And that was the point of the analysis. Um, we put the very sensible precautions in place some time ago, but I think they need looking at again because we think the, the, the risk is so low. You, you say they were very sensible some time ago. So remind us, why did these regulations come in? Why were people so worried? Yeah, so people were very worried because um, um, for a start, it, it's a hideous disease mm. uh, uh, and it's non-curable and, and it's fatal. And, and, um, and we also don't have a good way of testing for it. And so it was put in place because there was a massive epidemic of uh, mad cow disease, and then you started to see cases in people. But those cases peaked 23 years ago. In the world, I think there's been 232 recorded, and and there's no one living with that disease now, Um, and there hasn't been anyone for, for about the last four years. Do we know how many potential blood donors have been barred during this period where it was paused? Stop. I mean, we can't tell exactly, but when the restrictions were put in place, about 10% of the blood donors um, stopped giving blood. So there's tens of thousands of people to give blood, so we're talking about thousands of individuals who would likely be donors. Is New Zealand the only country still blocking donations from that group? No, uh, I think the US does, but I know two countries that are similar to New Zealand. So uh, Ireland has a a large uh, UK population and and Australia have recently lifted their bans or some Australian scientists did analysis and came out with similar numbers to us in in that the the risk is extremely low. David Heyman, thank you so much for your time. Fascinating. One in a billion. Thanks very much. We're just about to find out exactly what we know about the plane crash that presumably has killed the boss of the Wagner Group. But if you're enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It really helps other people find us as well. This week on The Girls Uninterrupted. I'm not having a go, I'm just saying. No, you can, you can. But I would never put them on my feet. (laughs) It is a crop phone. It's 100% a crop phone. And you are the biggest against Crocs. I actually okay. really like it. I just think that you need to now say Crocs are cool. No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> it's giving hypocrisy. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. The Girls Uninterrupted is proudly brought to you by our mates at Unichem and Life Pharmacy. Less than two months after his failed mutiny, Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin is presumed dead after a private jet he was listed as a passenger on crashed en route from Moscow to St. Petersburg. Prigozhin's botched revolt was condemned by Vladimir Putin as treason. He was exiled and it was made quite clear the Russian soldier for hire's role in Russia was over. So what do we know about this plane crash and what does it mean for the Wagner Group? Robert Patman is the Director of International Studies at the University of Otago and he's also a great friend of Newsable and he's back with us now. Kia ora, Robert. Kia ora. Uh, has anyone claimed responsibility for this plane going down? We've seen reports it was hit by two bursts of fire, I believe. Well, the speculation, and I think it's reasonable speculation, 
that the plane either was brought down by a bomb on board or it was the subject of fire from the air Russian uh, military, the air defence units, basically had the entire Wagner leadership on board. We don't know who's responsible. We do know that there was a feeling amongst people, both within Russia and outside Russia, that Putin and Prigozhin were on a collision course. Not many people have fallen out with Putin so publicly and survived. You know, this is, I suppose, significant because Prigozhin was the boss of the Wagner Group, which is uh, a mm. big force in the Ukraine war at the moment. But also, not just in Ukraine, right? Like, the, Wagner is propping up a bunch of autocratic regimes in Africa and in other yeah. places across the world. If if this is true, and Prigozhin is indeed dead, what does that mean for that group and potentially the war in Ukraine and the stability of, of, of various other countries around the world? They not only took out Prigozhin, but they took out his number two and they took out the entire top echelon of the Wagner group. All the indications are, if you look at the part Wagner's headquarters in St. Petersburg, people are extremely angry. And this is a formidably armed group. And they said they're not going to go quietly. So I think you could expect a period of turmoil in Russia. Many of them are in Belarus. It could be that they've effectively decapitated the organisation and although there'll be a lot of angry people in Wagner, they'll be headless and be easily picked off if they do move. A Wagner information channel said this was a catastrophic mistake by Putin's leadership. According to the Wagner group, this is a mistake. They will pay a terrible price because Putin doesn't understand morale is very low in the Russian army. Robert Patman, thank you so much, as always, for speaking with us. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Did you listen to Fun Fact Friday while you are away? I'm really sorry I didn't. I know you won, though, because I am a good citizen of Newsable and I follow us on Instagram. You know, that, ca- that catapulted me to the lead for the first time yeah, since no. the very first week of the show. I've got holiday mindset. I am relaxed. I am calm. I'm not going to let it get to me. Well, I hope that you've got a good fun fact for this week. I think I've got quite a good one. Okay. Do you want to uh, you want to take the lead on this one? I'll start. I know Jess did a Fiji fun fact last week, though. I did know that she did that. Mm-hmm. I've got a Fiji fun fact. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, I got engaged in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> How fun! I can see the ring on your finger in all its glory. Um, Very exciting! Holy crap! Congratulations! Thank um, you. This is your fiance Ted, who we talk about on the show sometimes. Yes, fiance Ted. Um, that is just the most amazing mm. news. Like you sent me a photo of this when it happened, <laughs> and I like it got me a little bit emotional. <laughs> uh, that's my fun fact. Uh, got engaged in Fiji. Went to the lovely Malamala Island. Ted surprised me and organised my parents to fly over as well. So the Wells clan were there. 
No, it's a great, great, great holiday. Ten out of ten. Wouldn't do it again. You have got a smile <laughs> brighter than the sun on your face right now. Um, of course, if I wanted to, I could blow that fun fact out of the water, but uh, <laughs> I, think, I think this week I'm on it. Nah, I'm on a hiding to nothing this week. I'm not even going to volunteer anything to compete with that. All I'm going to say is uh, massive congratulations to you. You're giving me the win. And um, yeah, Ted's a top guy. You're a top gal. Ted's really top happy guy. for the both of you. So yeah, really sincere congratulations. Thank you, Emil. Um, so with my forfeit, so I win this way. <laughs> we'll tie it up. Um, we'll that, still chuck a poll up. Can we chuck a poll up and it just say Imogen or Imogen? Yeah, that's a good idea actually. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to vote for Imogen one or Imogen Let's two, head to the newsable Instagram page. Let's leave it there, shall we? Let's. I've got some more celebrating to do. That's did. newsable for today. I'm Imogen Well, and I'm Emil Donovan. Thank you very much for listening we've got a special episode tomorrow dropping about sorority so give that a listen over the weekend if you like and we'll be back on monday from six catch you later if you like this podcast please support our work visit stuff.co.nz support I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. I don't want to be held to account well, no, on rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo of that gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, that, I think it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing if in there. That sits on. with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.